seat he's leaving vacant. Speculation now swirling about who could permanently replace him. Would you like to be attorney general? If asked, would you serve? Uh, no, no, no. That's Lindsey Graham saying he doesn't want the job. What did he say about Trump firing Sessions about a year ago? If Jeff Session is fired, there will be holy hell to pay. Uh, any effort to go after Mueller could be the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Now, those are two different things. <clears throat> Sessions was fired. I don't think there is going to be hell to pay. Matt Zapatosky of the Washington Post joins us. Matt is a highly esteemed national security reporter. Uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, thank you for having me, and thanks for that nice descriptor. Oh, yeah, you're a hell of a journalist, sir, and uh, we don't say that about many because there are a lot of bad ones out there, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> so, so listen, uh, we try to take a, a reasonable uh, look at this sort of stuff. Um, there's plenty of fevered coverage of the firing of Jeff Sessions and what it might mean to the, the Russia probe. Uh, what are the possibilities that folks ought to be looking for? Well, so Jeff Sessions, in, uh, excuse me, Donald Trump installed this guy to replace Jeff Sessions named Matt Whitaker, who has sort of been a longtime Mueller skeptic. He's a former U.S. attorney from Iowa, ran unsuccessfully for Senate, and before he came into the Justice Department, he was just a legal commentator and shared a lot of skeptical views about the Mueller probe. I think what many people are worried about now is he's the acting attorney general. That means he is nominally in charge of the Mueller probe. And what could he do? to impose restrictions on it. He has a lot of authority. Mueller has to run by the attorney general significant investigative steps he wants to take. If he wants to indict somebody, Matt Whitaker will have to sign off on that. His report, if he is preparing a report, would ultimately go to Matt Whitaker. Matt Whitaker controls Mueller's budget. So these are all the possibilities that people are looking at as to how Matt Whitaker could influence the Mueller probe. That's not to say he will necessarily do any of those things. Rod Rosenstein, who had been supervising the Mueller probe is still in the Justice Department. At this moment, I have no reason to believe he'll be just totally cut out of the process. But a lot of people are concerned that Matt Whitaker, this longtime Mueller skeptic, is now in charge. And there are a lot of steps he could take to influence what Mueller's doing. We don't know what the parameters of the investigation, the probe are anyway, right? That's that's secret stuff. We sort of know. We just have, at least publicly, this order that Rod Rosenstein signed spelling out exactly what Mueller could do, but it's very vague, right? It's like in, it's like investigating possible coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia to influence the election and any other matters that might arise. But we've seen that sprawl into some very tangentially related things, right? Like the Manafort uh, matter. It's just sort of like a look at his personal business dealings um, long before he came to the Trump campaign. So we don't know exactly what Mueller is doing, except these broad strictures that um, that Rod Rosenstein had signed off on You know, way back when Mueller was appointed. The assumption a lot of people are making, and I don't think it's an unreasonable one, is that if, if Trump has longtime dealings with Russians that would make it appear as though he owes something, um, that would be uh, that would require a long, hard look into Trump's finances going back years and years and years. And that's what Donald Trump bristles at. That's what uh, Republicans are, are saying would be out of bound. Is that probably the minefield that people are, are concerned about? 
think that's right. I mean, Donald Trump has said doing something like that, just an unfiltered look at his family finances would cross a red line. Matt Whitaker, in fact, seemed to endorse that position before he was in the Justice Department when he was just a legal commentator. I think that's what people are worried about. I should note, though, Mueller, setting aside the Manafort matter, Mueller seems to have taken his mandate pretty seriously. When he got onto some of Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer's business dealings, he turfed that off to the Southern District of New York. He's passed other cases that aren't sort of right on point to what he's looking at. Most recently, prosecutors in the Eastern District of Virginia, it was just like a U.S. attorney's office out here in the D.C. area, charged a case that had to do with meddling in the 2018 election. Mueller must have thought, you know, my mandate is 2016. I'm not going to look at 2018. So, you know, Trump has made a big deal about don't take an unfettered look at my family's finances. We don't have an indication that Mueller is doing that. And in fact, Mueller has seemed to interpret his mandate or tried to stay pretty true to his mandate, which is coordination and the 2016 election. This uh, this new temporary guy, big old boy, can bench press a bus. Twice the size of Sessions. Huh? Oh, yeah. A much bigger attorney general. That's got to be good, right? <laughs> Don't even yeah, he's basically that. the opposite of that. So I saw um, uh, Trey Gowdy uh, yesterday being interviewed. You may all remember him, right? And he said um, he thinks there needs to be another special counsel investigating the FBI with the whole, you know, uh, texts and leaks and were they being on the up and up. Any chance that that gets going with this uh, new dude in charge? That's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, you know, the Justice Department, when Matt Whitaker was inside as um, as Sessions' chief of staff, had tapped this U.S. attorney out in Utah, not to exactly be a second special counsel, but to look into a lot of these conservative concerns surrounding the Clinton email investigation and the Russia investigation. Now that he's in charge, could he take that a step further? I, I suppose that is possible, though you would think, look, he was a top aide to Sessions when when that kind of demand from conservatives on the Hill was more hot and heavy, and they sort of resolved, hey, we'll let the U.S. attorney in Utah just take a look at that. So I would think that would be all that they would do now, but it's certainly possible. I mean, when you're the chief of staff, you don't actually get to make the decisions. You just advise the attorney general. Now he's the attorney general. Maybe he could go in a different way. Matt Zapatoski of the Washington Post is on the line. Matt, do we have any sense at all uh, as to how long Mr. Whitaker might be at the helm of the Justice Department. He is the interim guy, correct? Yeah, he is the acting guy. So uh, the law says that he could have 210 days. So that could be extended if Trump nominates a permanent successor. I guess it could also be shortened if Trump nominates a permanent successor and that person is confirmed quickly. But as long as there's like a permanent nominee out there, Whitaker could stay in charge. So it certainly could be months. Now, we understand Trump is pretty actively looking for a permanent successor. So maybe it won't be that long, but it could be months. Hey, so you're the national security reporter. How did election day go? We didn't hear much from the Russians, or did we? <laughs> That's, uh, well, and know, the Chinese. The, and the Chinese. <laughs> there was no, the FBI and DHS detected no sort of vote influencing, if that makes sense. Like, there, there weren't any, there isn't, hasn't been any evidence of the vote counts being tampered with or anything. I think influence operations are always ongoing. Oh, Facebook sure. said just before the, the election that they had shut down a bunch of accounts that they thought might be foreign influence accounts, and I would imagine there will probably be more to emerge after that, but I don't think DHS or the FBI saw any, you know, vote count changing. And finally, Matt, do you hear anything from the rumor mill about who might become the new AG? 
yeah, we've heard all sorts of names. You know, this is a very weird, uh, a weird spot when you when a prominent cabinet position like that is up because the White House floats names just to sort of see how they play. Um, some are probably not as real as others. Uh, some of the ones I've heard are Bill Barr, who is the Attorney General under George H. W. Bush, um, a former federal judge in D.C. named Janice Rogers Brown, um, Chris Christie. We're told. Is oh sort of wow! Wow, Chris like Christie. Pretty hard to confirm. Um, but oh, we'll yeah, I was going to ask. You know, a lot of these could be false flags. What's the confirmation situation with an attorney general? Well, he would have to be Senate. Con- if, it's, if it's Chris Christie, they would have to go through the Senate confirmation. And you process, just need just fifty like sessions. Did uh, you would? Yeah. He, well, he would need fifty. When this is the the, the, um, the uh, I guess he would just need fifty because they could break the tie. And Republicans control the Senate now, so it would it would seem to be you know relatively uh, easier than than it maybe was before. Well, then they could get through practically anybody. Matt Zapatowski, the Washington Post. Matt, it's always a pleasure when we get to talk. Thanks a bunch. Thank you, Chris Christie. That'd be exciting. Chris Christie's become one of my favorite pundits. He's one of those really? I flip by oh. and I see him talking. He's who's all, he jabbering on mostly? ABC with George Stephanopoulos. He's huh. on all the time, and he's really good. Huh. I don't doubt that. Man, I I yearn for Trey Gowdy. Yeah, as uh, Attorney General, he has no interest. You no, know, he does not. They asked him. <laughs> Brett Bear asked him several months ago, and he said, "Heavens, no! <laughs> like no, not just no, but hell no, yeah. no." And Lindsey no, Graham no. said the same thing: "No, no, no." Right. It's interesting. Some of the, the 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 plum jobs you can have, you know, be a member of the history of this country. People say, "No freaking way!" Well, right, because they've seen that job and what it actually entails, and. You know, some guys don't lust for power like other guys and gals do. And I get the idea that Trey Gowdy and uh, Lindsey Graham are both perfectly content with what they've had and what they've done, and they're, they're ready for something new. Plus, or in Lindsey's case, bless my soul, he's, uh, he likes being a senator. Plus, all these people are lawyers, and lawyers are all about the law. And the, the, the second you move anything below attorney general, you get to just be a lawyer. Once you're in that spot, though, you're, you're into politics. Right. You're into politics like everybody else. Yep, and a lot of a lot of lawyers don't want to do that. So we'll hit you with this stuff. Um, placebos coming to your doctor. Yeah, going to start prescribing placebos. Maybe I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, it is. It's interesting how powerful they are. I've got some examples that will blow your mind. But then we'll have to wrestle with the scourge of placebo addiction. <laughs> now that's hilarious. <laughs> Stay with us. Four more pretending to be dead from placebo addiction or something. Uh, You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. story of the day gets more complicated. Horrifying shooting 12 dead in Ventura, California. Thousand Oaks, yeah. Ventura County. Uh, it appears that the gunman was a former Marine, U.S. Marine, who almost certainly was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, 28-year-old. Uh, cops called out to his home a couple of different times. Irate, irrational, mental health professionals concluded he did not need to be taken into custody. Troubled, troubled young man. Uh so I do have some interest in knowing what his service, 
history was. Right. And and be very careful uh, about leaping to assumptions. There are much higher rates of PTSD claims from people on the back lines than people who are actually in combat. I know a whole bunch of people with PTSD who've never been in the military in their lives. Right. From a variety of things in their lives. Right. Um, In fact, I was just reading uh, yesterday that folks with troubled lives before they get into the military are much, much more likely. That is the indicator for who will have PTSD. Interesting. Um, Not to say it's a 100% relationship, but so anyway, be careful about leaping to conclusions, but uh, it's an absolutely terrible story. Uh, nothing but tragedy, and we really, really need to work as hard as we can as a people to understand the mental sickness that's causing people to think hurting other people will make the make it better, whatever it is. Do you see any of um, uh, Daryl Hammond from Saturday Night Live? Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. He did the great Bill Clinton, the great Don Trump. Um, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> right. He... Um, horrifying childhood and now he's got he had, he wrote a book a couple of years ago I'd, I'd missed that somehow but now he's got i think a documentary where he's going to talk about that mm-hmm. and he's had ptsd and all kinds of problems his whole life from his horrifying childhood with his miserable awful parents and yeah you know so i can yeah i don't know why i brought that up it's pretty damned interesting but too dark to even go his childhood way too dark to discuss on the air right yeah yeah terrible um so for years placebos have been laughed at for hundreds of years I mean, this article goes back to Ben Franklin and, and, and views of the time. I mean, a placebo, Jack, is a harmless pill, medicine, or procedure prescribed more for the psychological benefit to the patient than for any physiological effect. Well, that's just not true. According, a substance that has no therapeutic effect. That That's definitely not true. Used as a control in testing new drugs. That is true. Okay. Um, so <laughs> a, a lot of that is not true. According to a group that's been working on this for a long time, they've been trying to get the placebo moved into the world of acceptance as a way to treat patients. In fact, they say um, it is ignored by doctors only at the patient's expense to not use placebos. Hmm. Part of their proof is that it is an FDA requirement that you do double-blind tests to where the doctors don't even know what the placebo is because placebos are so effective, they can throw off um, the research of the, how well a drug is doing. Well, mm. that's almost, well, that's not almost, that is it admitting that placebos have an effect at a high level. Obviously, right. Obviously. Yeah. And um, this article goes through some of the examples. After a quarter century of hard work, they've abundant evidence to prove that placebos actually do something. Give people a sugar pill, they have shown, and these patients, especially if they have one of the chronic stress-related conditions that register the strongest placebo effects... And if the treatment is delivered by someone in whom they have confidence, which is important, they will improve. They do improve. Tell someone a normal milkshake is a diet beverage and his gut will respond as if the drink were low fat. What? Take athletes to the top of the Alps, put them on exercise machines and hook them up to an oxygen tank, and they will perform better than they did when they were breathing room air, even if the room air is the only thing that's in the tank. You wake a patient from surgery and tell him you've done an arthroscopic repair and his knee gets better, even if all you did was knock him out and put a couple incisions in his skin. You give a drug a fancy name, and it works better than if you don't give it a fancy name. And these things are all, they just are true. And the idea that that makes somebody stupid or you should feel bad about it is ridiculous in their view. 
Mm, right. Why would I feel bad about the fact that I didn't actually take a pill, but now I'm okay? It's mind-blowing. So they, How that, does it work? Why does it work? Well, that's been the hang-up. Because a lot of people, um, uh, well, people that are doctors, whatever, you're into science, molecules, things that you can, you know, concretely determine. And so they've come up with something, and I can tell you what it is. It's complicated and got a lot of letters. But something in the body that they think they've nailed down. The placebo effect works in everybody, but it works better in people that have this particular makeup of their body. And those people absolutely should be prescribed placebos because they work so well. Why wouldn't you, when there are side effects or downsides to all drugs and surgery, there's no bad side effect for a placebo. Wow. Obviously. What if you invent side effects for the placebo to make it more convincing? May cause sudden explosive bowel movements. <laughs> would people actually develop that? I got I wonder. I think you could presume that some people would. Yeah. But so so they're they're arguing and it was at some big right there med- at work in the middle of the board meeting. Kerbooey. They're arguing at some big medical clinic in Europe where these sorts of decisions are made that placebos need to cross the aisle over into part of medicine <clears throat> and treating people that way and be looked and being looked at as an option for people, especially some people who are um, uh, biologically made up to, to respond better to placebos. And uh, obviously, it's all got to do with the amazing power of the human brain. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, I, I really want to know more about the physiological mechanism of that. Uh, but that's crazy. Yeah. Some of those examples are incredible. And they, they've been yeah. around for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. Boy, the knee operation one's insane. Including they had several examples of where you can tell somebody it's a placebo. Look, this is a sugar pill. This is not medicine. I'm giving it to you to help your stomach problems. But it's a sugar pill. And it still helps. That is amazing. Now, Sean says because they're stupid. (laughs) <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> that is, that is hasn't that always been the feeling you had that if you found out you're in one of these blind tests where they give some patients the drug, some patients the placebo. If you report it back to the doctor, yeah, I feel better, man. My knee pain went away completely, and they tell you you were on the placebo. You'd feel stupid. You fall to the ground crippled. But you shouldn't feel stupid. That's their point. Right. Don't feel stupid. Yeah. You didn't get tricked. <sighs> you're you're not a dummy. For falling for it, that's that's just the way we're built. Is that why some of your more wacky Eastern medicine things work? Ooh, good one. Good uh, one. I, I have friends wow. who are, are into it to an extent that makes me uncomfortable. Wow. Um, various, you know, acupuncture and, and whatever. Oh, he's got a great example here of acupuncture in which they claim they do acupuncture on people, but they don't actually stick the needles in. Has the same effect. Or roughly oh, yeah. The same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, you're right. A lot of Eastern medicine might be the amazing, real power of placebos. I'm not mocking it. Right. It exists. Right. I think it was interesting that you mentioned that the people with stress-related conditions are the most likely to be responsive to placebo effects. And I think it seems that the the problems that the mind manifests, the mind can also fix yeah, better than outside extent, sure. medicine. That, yeah. makes a, that makes a good point. Yeah, you can't fix a broken ankle with a placebo. Right. The bone isn't going to just... Yeah, but is there a counter argument uh, against this? Yes, you feel better, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs>
<laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Fox News, Tucker Carlson's home attacked by Antifa-affiliated mob. Wow. We're getting a better handle on voter turnout uh, for the midterms, and ratings for election coverage are out. One outlet is a clear winner. Okay. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. headline, California's Corruptifornia's Medicaid program made at least $4 billion in questionable payments to health insurers and medical providers over a four-year period. Oh, yeah, we got to get to that story. There's some examples that will blow your mind. Almost half a million ineligible people sucking up benefits. One person alone sucked almost $400,000 off the government teat, unjustifiably. At least $4 billion squandered. The last couple of years, yeah. last few years. On people that shouldn't have been getting this health care. Right. And this report came out on Election Day. What a great way to bury a report on Election Day when obviously that it's had like to be a, an accident. It's just a coincidence. To just, live off the teat of the giant state. Just a coincidence. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, an update here. 13 people dead in California, including a Ventura County Sheriff's deputy and the gunman following a mass shooting at a Thousand Oaks bar. Officials say Sergeant Ron Helis, one of the first people to respond late last night, he rushed in and he was shot multiple times. He passed away this morning. And he he may have saved 20, 30 lives. He, yes. Absolutely. Yes. He, uh, he took the shooter on right away as soon as he got inside. The borderline bar and grill was packed with hundreds of students for college night. This woman escaped after friends threw her out a window. A guy that I know, well, I don't really know him. He was able to throw me out the window. They broke, they threw, t- they threw, they had chairs and they threw them out the window and they were able to take me and the girlfriend that I was with and just got us out the window and carried us right up here. And we were able to get picked up by a guy friend of ours and get back to our cars. And that's how I got to him. Is a, is a country music bar and uh, there are reports that there are people in that bar who were at the Vegas concert when that guy was shooting. Oh, great Scott. Which certainly could be true. Holy cow. You would think you were cursed. Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson's home came under siege last night while he was at work and his wife was left alone to fend for herself. Oh, my God. Tucker's wife, Susie, called the cops around 6.30 p.m. She reported a mob had formed outside the Carlson home in D.C. Several people in the crowd were banging on the front door demanding that he and his family leave D.C. because he is, quote, a racist scumbag. You would be scared to freaking death. The group, Smash Racism DC, posted a video of activists ringing the bell and protesting outside the home. They also posted Tucker's address. So the left now in terrorizing people who dare disagree with them. And that's admirable. And what do they point to that Tucker Carlson is, uh, is that he is a racist? Oh, the accusation is enough. And throw in Nazi as long as you're there. Fascist. Sorry. Everybody's a fascist. Yep. Twitter uh, removed the video and the tweet that included the address. Smash Racism DC is calling itself an Antifa group. Tucker wasn't home, as I said, at the time of the accident. It's not clear if his and Susie's four children were in the home. He recently said he's avoiding eating out these days because he doesn't want people confronting him. God, that's incredible. I mean, he's really strong on uh, border control, as am I, mm-hmm. as is most of America. But that will get you branded a racist by a lot of uh, a lot of the crowd. 
Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if you hadn't heard, fell in her office last night. She is now in the hospital with broken ribs. The 85-year-old went to George Washington University Hospital early this morning after she was experiencing discomfort overnight. She falls last night. She goes home. She stays home all night and doesn't really say, ah, I better go to the hospital with three broken ribs until this morning. She gets up this morning. She's doing her P90 workout, as she always does, and uh, her ribs hurt. California's closest races could take days or weeks to settle thanks to the growing popularity of voting by mail and the extended deadline to get those mail-in ballots in. Most of the precincts statewide have reported results, but that's only including in-person voting and mail-in ballots that were received long before Election Day. Most states require absentee ballots to be received by Election Day to be counted, but in California... They can, the ballots can be postmarked on Election Day and received within three days and then counted. Now, here's here's why I bring this up. Statewide turnout of registered voters is currently only 38%, but the total is expected to be close to 60% wow. when all the mail-in and provisional ballots are counted. And I believe it was down around like 20% yep. last time around. Yep. So. Meanwhile, the ratings for TV's coverage of the midterm elections are in, and they show Tuesday was the most watched midterm election results in TV history. Numbers break down this way. 32 million Americans watched the results being called on Tuesday. Fox News won the night. They had 8 million viewers during primetime. NBC, 5.5 million, followed by ABC, 5 million. MSNBC had 4.5 million viewers. CBS came in last with about 4 million, with a little less than 4 million. Well, the reason Fox does so well is there's one outlet with that point of view. All the other outlets have the same point of view, which is pretty interesting. One final note, Alec Baldwin's new talk show is getting the boot. New York Magazine reported said ABC's pulling the show from its lineup after just three episodes. The remaining episodes will air in mid-December on Saturday nights. So this coming after Baldwin's arrest on assault charges last week in New York City. Do we have the face like a hermunculus? Oh, that's uh, hermunculus with a face like a clenched fist. I'd have to look for that. I was yeah. being uh, kind, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You said your ex-wife's lawyer called her a hermunculus. With a face like a clenched fist. I was being kind, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> Alec Baldwin is a national treasure from a humor standpoint. Oh, yeah, he's hilarious when he's, you know, just been funny and not the political beast. Yeah, yeah. Or if you try to take his parking spot. Right. Oh, then he's not funny at all. He's got no sense of humor Both about fists. that. Both fists. Alex Baldwin. Not, not funny, Mr. Baldwin. Billions of dollars squandered in California. The Medicaid program. At least they found it. But this uh, report released on Election Day, so you wouldn't hear about it. How right. do you like that? Yeah, and that's something. Huh. Screwing the taxpayer, and they release that on Election Day, knowing that it won't come out that way. Well, right. we're going to tell you about it. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Gone 
When I watch Trump, he doesn't rankle me like he rankles people on your side. There are days I think he's a buffoon. There are days I can't believe the stuff he says. But right. I watch Pelosi, and she drives me batty. All I know is when I look at socially liberal, and that's when I don't dig what the conservatives do. They always come off like the town elders from Footloose. And that's a drag to me. <laughs> but, you know, I look at liberals sometimes, and I think liberalism's like a nude beach. It sounds good till you get there. And then there's... Uh, <laughs> You know, there's a, a lot of. I do want to. A I, lot I, of cankles and misspelled tattoos. <laughs> Dennis I so Miller. missed Dennis yeah. Miller's radio show. Yeah. It was weird, but it was good. Well, it was good sometimes. What an sometimes guy. it was like he was unaware it was being aired. <laughs> yeah. You know, the mics are on, right, Dennis? Right. <laughs> he had the great advantage of F you money, and he didn't really care. Right, right. Either dig yeah. what I'm doing or you don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so California's Medicaid program made at least $4 billion in questionable payments to health insurers over the last four-year period. F- at least $4, four billion. billion. And that number could be a great deal higher than that. $4 billion in a state. And how many tax increases have there been in California? The gas tax, which the wise and benevolent voters did not overturn. How many bond measures did the voters of corrupt California just pass? Because we don't have enough money for mental health care. We don't have enough money for children's hospitals. We don't have enough money for, I can't even remember what the other one was, affordable housing, something like that. At least $4 billion because as many as 453,000 people were ineligible for the public benefits, according to a state audit released on Election Day. Which is so freaking deliberate. Oh, my God. One in three residents in California is on Medi-Cal, which is our version of Medicaid. Right. I mean, when you're talking about government-sponsored health care, I mean, you know, you're getting so close in a lot of places already. In one case, the state paid a managed care plan $383,635 to care for a person in L.A. County who's been dead for more than four years. Did they get better? Soon to run for a Nevada state legislature, (laughs) I'm sure. But did they improve? Well, they didn't get worse. No. So that's a win. That's true. Status quo. The California State Auditor, Elaine Howell, who I would love to talk to, and God bless you, Elaine, and your work, uh, you and your staff, she said she found pervasive discrepancies in Medicaid enrollment in which state and county records didn't match up from 2014 to uh, to 2017, leading to other errors that persisted for years. The bulk of the questionable payments, about $3 billion, went to health plans that contract with the state to care for 80% of enrollees in California's uh, Medi-Cal program, as Jack pointed out. Uh, the program for low-income residents is the nation's largest, funded by both the federal and state. The state findings echo similar problems cited by federal officials and come at a time when the Trump administration has applied extra scrutiny to California's spending on Medicaid. So if, you're, uh, if you got hit with some pretty big medical bills last year, or just paying your deductible, just meeting your deductibles a lot of money now. Sure. Um, you don't like that? Well, you paid for a whole bunch of other people's health care, too, that didn't deserve it. They didn't qualify. And, and our qualifications are too loose, in my opinion, to start with. Right. And they still didn't qualify, but they got the money. The state auditor, Ms. Howell, said it's critical for the state to have accurate information on eligibility, quote, because it pays managed care plans a monthly premium for an increasing number of medical beneficiaries, regardless of whether beneficiaries receive services. Wow, so just being on the rolls gets a, a payment. God, they're sloppy. You know, there's, there's a, uh, forgot to carry the ones 
errors and all that sort of stuff. But $4 billion? Yeah. Holy crap! In waste? The annual budget's $107 billion, by the way, as about a third of California's residents are covered by health care for the poor. So one out of three people, by that standard, are too poor to take care of their own health care in the state. Correct. Oh. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. Let's see. Uh, the state auditor found Medi-Cal paid roughly a million dollars in claims for a female patient in L.A. County. In uh, 2016, 2017, even though the county office had determined that she was ineligible, but the state just kept on writing checks. In a written response to the auditor, the California Department of Healthcare Services said it agreed with the findings and vowed to implement the auditor's recommendations. However, the agency warned it may not meet the auditor's timeline, which called for the main problems to be addressed by June of next year. So it's going to take us more than a year. To deal with this stuff. See, but where you're getting where you're getting to and may but may have already gotten there is the tipping point of people who are free market capitalists who believe the free market system should be injected into healthcare as much as you possibly can to keep prices down. Right. Those people start to give up when this happens. Because you think, well, if I'm paying for everybody else, I might as well be getting mine for free for free also. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- wh- I might as well not have extra bills since I'm paying all my neighbors' health care. Why am I paying for my own? I think that's what happens. And that's where you cross the tipping point into whatever. This would be easier. I just don't even have to deal with the bills anymore. Right. God, I had a thing the other day where um finally caught up to me. I don't know how this fell through the cracks or whatever. $16 something or other wow. that had gotten missed somewhere along the way and turned over to a collection of people. I don't know. You get these things that say this is not a bill, and then sometimes I try to call and pay these things. They say you already paid that. Right. Ah! But, yeah, so at some point you think, F it. We're just all on it. We're all on it. I don't get any more bills at all anymore except for my yearly tax bill, which will be gigantic. Sure. Uh, how careful are they in signing people up in February? A federal watchdog estimated California had signed up 450,000 people who may not have been eligible for coverage. 450,000. All right. There you go. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make you miserable or anything, but every time you vote for bigger government, the government will run this. I'll have a government program. That'll solve our, that'll bring us our utopia. Well, you're a fool and a jackass and evidently blind, deaf, and dumb and have not observed every other federal and or state program, which is spectacularly wasteful and ineffective. I still but, haven't heard the argument for why would I expect government health care to be a hell of a lot different than the DMV or what you see with the VA health care right. system. Why, why would I expect that? What's Optimism. your argument? <laughs> this will be know. different. Why? I really do not know. Yeah. Transition music, Michael. There's, we're not trying to make people miserable. That's not our goal here. Our job every day is you get up with a spring in your step and a smile on your face and get in your car and head to work, and we make you miserable before you even get there. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Making you angry enough to do your job. Armstrong and Getty. Making you regret you ever tuned in. A-N-G. At least you don't work for this Chinese factory where... People who didn't meet their sales quota were forced to drink urine and eat roaches. I'm not sure that'd motivate me. You didn't make your you didn't make your budget. Right. Here's sales you, targets. That's good, Michael. Here's your uh, like you didn't, the third verse there. <laughs> you didn't make your budget. Here's a cold glass of urine. 
I'd prefer it cold. Okay, a warm glass of urine. Managers at a Chinese firm have been jailed for making staff who failed to reach sales targets, uh, targets drink urine and eat cockroaches. If you had to choose between the two, I'd, I think I'd drink the urine before I'd eat the cockroach. I don't know. Uh, particularly it if it's a live cockroach. Is it my own or someone else's? Oh, boy. Wait a minute. That is a key question. It is. And a disgusting one. Social media posts uh, alleged... One? Both are gross, but I don't think either one's necessarily unhealthy. Uh, a cockroach wouldn't hurt you at all, I don't think. No. They're, 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 they're coated with disease. They track disease around. So you're going to drink the urine, are you, you urine drinker? I think so. I had you figured as much. Ro- yeah. Rocks, please. <laughs> Can I get that with soda water? Uh, social media posts alleged staff were also te- told to eat cockroaches if they did not uh, eat targets. Videos emerged showing workers being whipped with a belt. And, and drinking the urine. That's the way we do it around here. Three managers were jailed for five days and ten days over the incident. That's the way they do it to us. Be funnier! Whack! Wow. Whipped with a belt and drinking urine. Nice. I'd stay a little late. I'd make that extra call. That Are you was, sure? We can't sign you up. <laughs> that was in China? Uh, yeah. Other forms of shaming and punishment at the firm have included drinking toilet water or vinegar and getting their heads shaved. Jeez, shave my head every day of the week compared to those other choices. Well, that's different for you. You're some lovely gal, lovely Chinese gal trying to sell uh, gutters, aluminum siding or something. Shave your head, whip you, make you drink urine, that'd piss you off. Trying to sell magazine subscriptions to people. Stop trying to minimize this. (laughs) Previous reports of alleged cases of employees slapping each other at company events meant to boost motivation. (laughs) Motivating me to want to punch you in the head. Staff forced to crawl on a public road or kiss rubbish bins as punishment, or for team building. I like kiss, that word, rubbish. Kiss a trash bin? Kind of a punishment? I think is that? the inside. Oh, oh, you. I'm back to eating roaches. That's my choice. Wash it down with a warm glass of urine. <laughs> oh, boy. God dang it. Yeah. Way to go, China. Bunch of commie maniacs. <laughs> you think that motivates anybody? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.